death-defying feats have fascinated mankind for centuries. From sword swallowers to human cannonballs, the daredevils of history have risked life and limb to draw a crowd. Few performers have gained lasting fame, but in the 1970s, a motorcycle-jumping stuntman from Butte, Montana, vaulted this tradition from its sideshow origins to unthinkable heights of popularity and influence. Evil Knievel made the leap from rural county fairs to sold-out stadiums through a unique combination of bravado, determination, and promotional genius. He invented himself and his business, jumping, crashing, and miraculously recovering to promise even more outrageous stunts to come. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the See America podcast. From coast to coast, we see America one mile at a time, discovering stops along the way that are eclectic, historic, ridiculous, breathtaking, inspiring, and humbling. This week, the Evil Knievel Museum in Topeka, Kansas. This great destination is brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Road Trippers helps people discover the world around them in an entirely new way by streamlining discovery, planning, booking, and navigation. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. From his humble roots, Evil Knievel rode his motorcycle to unparalleled level of worldwide glory and fame. King of the daredevils, the last of the gladiators, the godfather of extreme sports, an unwavering optimist, a doer, a go-getter, a self-promoter extraordinaire, media genius, an enigmatic folk hero, an American legend. Knievel's nationally televised motorcycle jumps, including his 1974 attempt to jump Snake River Canyon at Twin Falls, Idaho, represented four of the 20 most watched ABC's wide world of sports events in history, including the number one. His achievements and failures, including his record 35 broken bones, earned him several entries in the Guinness Book of World Records. With his story, here's Abigail Trebu. Robert Craig Knievel was born in the mining city of Butte, Montana, on October 17, 1938. His surname is German. His great-great-grandparents on his father's side immigrated from Germany, and on his mother's side, from Ireland. At the age of eight, he attended an auto daredevil show, which set him racing around Butte's grisly, mining-scarred landscapes on his bicycle. Always a thrill-seeker, young Knievel found himself in trouble early and often, eventually dropping out of high school and after getting caught stealing a hubcap, faced with a choice of going to prison or joining the army. His stint in the service straightened him out for the most part. Upon his return, he married Linda Bork. They had their first child, and Knievel started to explore legitimate ways to make a living and raise a family. He got a job in the copper mines as a diamond drill operator. He was then promoted to surface duty where he drove a large earth mover, but was fired when he made it pull a wheelie and drove it into Butte's main power line, 
leaving the entire city without electricity for several hours. After a police chase in 1956 in which he crashed his motorcycle, Knievel was taken to jail on a charge of reckless driving. When the night jailer came around to check the roll, he noted Knievel in one cell and William Knopfel in the other. Knopfel was well known as Awful Knopfel, and the officer began referring to Knievel as Evil Knievel. It stuck. He kept it, but decided to spell it E-V-E-L to avoid any negative connotations. Always looking for new thrills, Knievel participated in local rodeos and ski jumping events. Shortly after getting married, he started the Butte Bombers, a semi-pro hockey team. To help promote his team, he convinced the 1960 Olympic Czechoslovakian hockey team to play the Bombers in a warm-up game to the Olympics. Knievel was ejected from the game minutes into the third period and left the stadium. When the Czechoslovakian officials went to the box office to collect the expense money the team was promised, workers discovered the game receipts had been stolen. The United States Olympic Committee wound up paying the expenses to avoid an international incident. Knievel would then start a hunting outfitter shop, where he found himself in the middle of a debate between Montana's hunting guides and the National Park Service. There had been a long-standing practice of park rangers slaughtering the excess elk in Yellowstone. In 1961, the Yellowstone herd numbered over 10,000, calling for a drastic reduction of some 5,000 animals. In response, Knievel hitchhiked from Butte to Washington, D.C. to lobby to have the elk relocated to areas where hunting was permitted. He carried a 54-inch wide rack of elk antlers and a petition with 3,000 signatures the whole way. As a result of his efforts, the culling was stopped, and the animals have since been regularly captured and relocated. After returning home, Knievel joined the motorcycle racing circuit and had moderate success, but he couldn't make enough money to support his family. In 1962, he broke his collarbone in a racing accident. The doctor said he couldn't race for at least six months, so he switched gears, becoming a successful, if perhaps a bit unscrupulous, insurance salesman. When the company refused to promote him to vice president after only a few months on the job, he quit. He moved his family to Moses Lake, Washington, where he opened a Honda motorcycle dealership. During the early 60s, it was difficult to promote Japanese imports. People still considered them inferior to American-built motorcycles, and there was a lingering resentment from World War II. Always the promoter, Knievel offered a $100 discount to anyone who could beat him at arm wrestling. But his dealership wasn't successful. Knievel recalled the stunt show he saw as a boy and decided that he could do something similar using a motorcycle. Promoting the show himself, Knievel rented the venue, wrote the press releases, sold the tickets, and served as his own master of ceremonies. After enticing the small crowd with a few wheelies, he proceeded to jump a 20-foot-long box of rattlesnakes and two mountain lions. To make any amount of real money, he realized he would need to hire more performers, stunt coordinators, and other personnel so that he could concentrate on jumps. 
With little money, he found a sponsor and debuted the new show in 1966 at the National Date Festival in Indio, California. Evil performed wheelies, crashed through plywood firewalls, and jumped over two pickup trucks. The show was a huge success. Knievel received several offers to host more, but the next performance was in Barstow, California, where he attempted a new stunt where he would jump, spread eagle, over another speeding motorcycle. Knievel jumped too late and the motorcycle hit him in the groin, tossing him 15 feet into the air and putting him in the hospital. When he was released, he returned to Barstow to finish the performance he had started almost a month earlier. But the show's other performers didn't wait around, and Knievel started traveling from small town to small town as a solo act. To get ahead of the other motorcycle stunt people who were jumping animals or pools of water, Knievel started jumping cars. He began adding more and more cars to his jumps. On June 19, 1966, in Missoula, Montana, he attempted to jump 12 cars and a cargo van. His back wheel hit the top of the van while his front wheel hit the top of the landing ramp. Knievel ended up with a broken arm and several broken ribs. But the crash and the subsequent stay in the hospital were a publicity windfall. With each successful jump, the public wanted him to jump one more car. On May 30th, 1967, Knievel successfully cleared 16. Then he attempted the same jump a few months later and had his next serious crash. Landing his cycle on a panel truck that was the last vehicle, Knievel was thrown from his bike. This time, he suffered a serious concussion. After a month... He recovered and returned to again finish the show. On a visit to Las Vegas, Knievel first saw the fountains at Caesar's Palace and hatched a plan to jump them. To get an audience with the casino's CEO, Jay Sarno, Knievel created a fictitious corporation called Evil Knievel Enterprises and three fictitious lawyers to make phone calls to Sarno. Knievel also placed phone calls claiming to be from ABC TV and Sports Illustrated inquiring about the jump. Sarno finally agreed to meet Knievel and the deal was set for a jump on December 31st, 1967. He tried to get ABC to air the event live on Wide World of Sports. ABC declined, but said that if he had the jump filmed and it was as spectacular as he said it would be, they would consider using it later. Knievel used his own money to have actor-director John Derrick produce a film of the Caesars jump. To keep costs low, Derrick used his then-wife Linda Evans, later the star of Dynasty, as one of the camera operators. It was Evans who filmed Knievel's famous landing. On the morning of the jump, Knievel stopped in the casino and placed his last $100 on the blackjack table, which he lost. Stopped by the bar and had a shot of wild turkey and then headed outside where he was joined by two showgirls. 
After doing his normal pre-jump show and a few warm-up approaches, Knievel began his real approach. When he hit the takeoff ramp, it was perfect. The landing, however, was a disaster. Knievel came up short, which caused the handlebars to be ripped out of his hands, and he tumbled over them onto the pavement where he skidded into the dunes parking lot. As a result of the crash, Knievel suffered a crushed pelvis and femur, fractures to his hip, wrist, and both ankles, and a concussion that kept him in a coma for 29 days. Before the Caesars jump, Knievel asked a friend from his insurance days to sell him 10 accident policies. The friend agreed and was fired when Knievel filed the claims on all 10. Upon hearing that his friend had been let go, Knievel contacted the insurance company and offered to return nine of the policies if he was reinstated. After his crash and recovery, Knievel was more famous than ever. ABC TV showed the jump, paying far more than they originally would have had they televised the jump live. Ironically, when Knievel finally achieved the fame and possible fortune that he always wanted, his doctors were telling him that he might never walk without the aid of crutches, let alone ride and jump motorcycles. Just five months after his near-fatal crash, Knievel miraculously performed another jump in Scottsdale, Arizona. But he crashed again while attempting to jump 15 Ford Mustangs, breaking his right leg and foot. He was quickly back on the bike again, jumping weekly and making $25,000 per performance until October 13, 1969, in Carson City, Nevada. As famous for his crashes as his successes, Evil lost control when landing, breaking his hip once more. May 10th, 1970, in Yakima, Washington, he crashed while attempting to jump 13 Pepsi delivery trucks, breaking his collarbone, right arm, and both legs. On January 8th and January 9th, 1971, Knievel set a record by selling over 100,000 tickets to -to back-to-back performances at the Houston Astrodome. He then set a new world record by jumping 19 cars with his Harley Davidson in Ontario, California. On March 3rd, 1972, at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California, after making a successful jump, he tried to come to a quick stop because of a short landing area. After getting thrown off and run over by his Harley, he broke his back. Each time he was injured, he came back again and again and again. In February 1973, he successfully jumped over 50 stacked cars at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Although he never attempted to jump the Grand Canyon, it wasn't for a lack of trying. Rumors of a canyon jump were started by Knievel himself in 1968, following the Caesars Palace crash. During an interview, he said, I don't care if they say, look, kid, you're going to drive that thing off the edge of the canyon and die. I'm going to do it. I want to be the first. Knievel lobbied the United States government to allow him to jump the canyon, even hiring a high-profile lawyer to fight the legal battle. However, the Department of Interior continually denied him. So in 1971, Knievel switched his attention to the Snake River Canyon. 
after finding a location near Twin Falls, Idaho, that was both wide enough, deep enough, and on private property, Knievel leased 300 acres for $35,000 to stage his jump. He set the date for September 1972. ABC Sports was unwilling to pay the price Knievel wanted for the Snake River Canyon jump, so he ended up hiring a closed-circuit television company to broadcast it to movie theaters. He then hired an aeronautical engineer to build him a rocket-powered cycle that he could use to jump across the Snake River, to be called the X-1 Sky Cycle. The X-1 was launched without a rider to test the feasibility of the launching ramp and dunked in the river a mile below. Version 2 would take off and fly more like a rocket than a motorcycle. The launch at Snake River Canyon was on September 8, 1974, at 3.36 p.m. Upon takeoff, the parachute deployed, causing the sky cycle to make it partway across the canyon and then drift back south into the canyon depths. By the time it hit the bottom, it landed only a few feet from the water, saving Knievel from drowning due to the harness that kept him strapped in the vehicle. He survived the jump with only minor injuries. After Snake River, Knievel returned to motorcycle jumping with ABC Wide World of Sports televising several. Until May 26, 1975, in front of 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium in London, he crashed while trying to land a jump over 13 buses. After the crash, powering through a newly broken back, Knievel addressed the audience and announced his retirement. Not yielding to ABC host Frank Gifford's plea to use a stretcher, Knievel walked off the Wembley field stating, I came in walking, I went out walking. It wouldn't be the end for evil Knievel, though. In 1975, he successfully jumped 14 Greyhound buses at the Kings Island theme park in Ohio. It would serve as Knievel's longest successful jump at 163 feet. He freshly announced his retirement, but he would return time and time again, all shorter, more attainable lengths. In January 1977, Knievel was scheduled for a jump in Chicago that would take him over a tank full of live sharks and would be televised live. During his rehearsal, he lost control of the motorcycle and crashed into a cameraman. Although Knievel broke his arm, he was more distraught over a permanent injury he caused the cameraman who lost his eye. He retired for real this time, saying... A professional is supposed to know when he has jumped far enough. Knievel died in Clearwater, Florida on November 30, 2007, aged 69. He was buried in Mountain View Cemetery in his home of Butte, Montana on December 10, 2007, following a funeral at the 7,500-seat Butte Civic Center. Matthew McConaughey gave the eulogy and fireworks exploded in the Butte night sky as pallbearers carried the casket into the center.
Evil Knievel inspired a generation of kids to be a little dangerous, perhaps contributing to more injured 10-year-old daredevils than we can imagine, but he'll be remembered for his fierce determination, for always keeping his word, for caring more about making people smile than his own bones. And you can learn all about those wonderful traits at the Evil Knievel Museum in Topeka, Kansas, which is really much more than you might think. It's the brainchild of a Harley dealership owner and some partners, and it houses an incredible collection of the physics-defying bikes that launched the legend. You can see his iconic 1974 Mack truck and trailer, Big Red, and the star-spangled helmets that kept his skull intact. There are more than 1,000 artifacts on display. There's a 4D virtual reality jump exhibit, which allows visitors to experience Knievel's stunt thrills firsthand, but without the risks. You can see the Snake River Canyon SkyCycle X2 and his first 1970 Harley-Davidson XR750 Ironhead Jump Bike. There's an interactive Broken Bones X-Ray exhibit and an interactive jump planner. The Evil Knievel Museum was named one of the top 10 best new national attractions by USA Today, and it's officially authorized by the Knievel Estate. It's open Saturdays only throughout the winter and resumes normal hours in March. This episode of See America was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, with narration by Abigail Trebue. Much of this article's text is licensed under the GNU Free Documentation License, meaning this episode is as well. Feel free to do with it as you please. If you like the show, we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd also like to invite you to follow the See America podcast on Instagram and Facebook and join the See America Facebook group, where we chat about some of America's greatest road trip destinations. If you're a national park lover, we hope you'll also check out the America's National Parks podcast or come listen to Abigail and me talk about our life on the road with our three boys on the RV Miles podcast. This great destination was brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. <laughs>